Hello, Seattle and Pacific Northwest. At Startup Seattle, we talk to people making an impact in the Pacific Northwest ecosystem. We ask founders about how they started their journey and how they built their startups. We quiz investors on their investing theses and trends they see. We ask other contributors about their activities and how they help startups. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. Hope you find this podcast interesting. Please rate us and support us by sharing with your friends and co-workers. A few months ago, I had a chance meeting with Vedant Srinivas. Vedant is entering his high school sophomore year at Eastlake High School in Sammamish. After a few minutes of chatting with him and asking what he was up to, we decided to do an episode together. Here we are. Welcome, Vedant, to the podcast. Hello. Hey, Vedant. So uh, how has your high school freshman year experience been so far? Uh, it was it was not the best, to be honest, since it was completely conducted remotely. So I didn't really get the holistic high school experience I wanted. So I'm hoping I can get that in the coming year. Yes, uh, we, we all uh, hope and uh, wish that, you know, the upcoming fall that uh, students are able to get back into the actual school experience. So um, I hope I hope you get to do that, too. So, you know, as we chatted uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you gave me an outline of a project that you're doing now. It had to do something with wildlife and use of technology. Uh, I found it very fascinating. So can you give us an outline of the project? Yeah, sure. So the project's name is Aura, and it's a device meant to mitigate roadkill. So how Aura works is it detects the headlights of a vehicle from a far distance, and the essence of it is to alert animals nearby of incoming vehicle danger and get them to move off the roads. So it does this by emitting sounds and light. So these are like, sounds like wolf howls that'll scare off deer and keep them away for periods of time. And also light that will just startle the deer and get it to move off the road. So that's what Aura is and that's just the gist of it. So roadkill, you, you found that uh, roadkill is a big uh, problem. It's a sad problem, right? I mean, there's a lot of uh, wild animals that get killed on the roads, hit by vehicles. And you decided to do something about it. So what um, inspired you? Why wildlife? Well, I've always had a deep passion for animals. Like I have a dog, I, her name's Snowflake. I like her a lot. So I just, I love animals. I've always loved them since a very young age. And then seeing them lying dead on the roads, it just devastated me. And I knew I had to do something about it. So the first time I really started noticing roadkill was around uh, when I was 10 years old. And since then, I've built the technological skills necessary to come up with a solution to solve the problem. And in the last year, I've put those, uh, in the last year to 18 months, I've put that into use to build Aura. That's wonderful. So why, um, so when you saw the roadkill and, um, and you said you, you want to do something about it, uh, what gave you an inspiration or the idea that this could be solved using technology? Well, originally I had actually come up with a much more complicated version of the idea. So I thought that maybe we could have a device on the car, like a camera that identifies animals moving in front of it. And then 
warns the animal in like a frequency that's specific to that animal, since all animals have different hearing frequencies. But then as I looked more into that, I realized that that's very difficult to do because the amount of time it would take for that algorithm to run to determine that animal, it would be more than the time it would take for the car to hit the animal. So then I was just thinking about different ideas. Like over multiple years, I've just been brainstorming ideas and finally decided that this is probably the best option for me. It's the most feasible and it'll also give the animal the most time to get out of the way. So did you talk to a lot of people as you were uh, incubating your idea? Who are the people that you talked with um, or, you know, counseled with uh, to kind of, you know, get more maturity idea and what would be the right approach? Well, I, my parents obviously helped me a lot brainstorming the idea in general. The technological aspects, it was like, I just had to come up with different ideas for what would happen. Uh, I talked to a couple of professors at UC Davis, just, I noticed they were also researching roadkill. And I got some insights for them, not really super specific to my solution. I think it was just time, thinking of solutions, brainstorming them over time and fine tuning them over like multiple years. Wow. So this has been a multi-year project for you. Uh, and so uh, take us to the initial years. Um, so, but before we go there, uh, give us an idea of how, uh, you know, what are the different components of Aura? Um, you know, what does the you know, hardware look like? And, um, you know, how did you develop the hardware for this project? Yeah, certainly. So in order to power the device, obviously it, it's, self, it, it's self-powered. So it has a solar panel that takes the energy from the sun and it runs it through a charge controller, which is also connected to a... So this charge controller is connected to the solar panel, the battery and the device. And so there's power in the battery that's charged by the solar panel. And when the device is on, it's only on during the nighttime because that's the only time it can detect the headlights uh, from far distances. Since in the daytime, there's just so much other light coming in that it's impossible to detect the headlights. So it just continues to take energy from the battery during the nighttime and charges the battery during the daytime. Then inside the device itself, there is the ambient light sensor, which detects the headlights from far distances of upwards of 500 feet. There's the Arduino Maker Zero, which is what I'm using. It it just the uh, motherboard for the entire project that connects to all the sensors. And there's an LED light, which will be used to alert the animal. And there's also a speaker, which can emit the decibel uh, noises up to 100 decibels. Right. So you detect the ambient light. And uh, uh, is there, uh, there's probably, uh, you know, different, uh, say, strengths of uh, light that is coming in, right? I mean, like a truck versus a car. Do you pay attention to the strength, like for example, the lux, uh, uh, I think they measure the intensity of light with lux. And so do you pay attention to that? Uh, and that can tell you what type of uh, vehicle it is coming or you just don't really care about what type of vehicle since it is? Since the solution is warning the animal, it doesn't really matter what type of vehicle it is since most likely a similar damage will be inflicted, like uh, probably a fatal injury to the animal. So as long as the light is a lot different than the nightlight that just there in the dark, which it, all, which it always will be, assuming the headlights are on. That's all I use to detect the um, car. 
So uh, tell us a little bit something about the the motherboard. Uh, you uh, did you uh, use Arduino to make this? Uh, tell us about the engineering of the board itself. Give us some idea of you know how much engineering is there. What did you have to do to uh, create this device? So Arduino actually does a good job of just giving you a board where you can just plug and play. So it is very simple. I just had to buy the Arduino Maker Zero, and there's just a bunch of ports. So I looked up around how to code with the Arduino platform. And I had to download different libraries for the different sensors I'm using. And then I just coded with those libraries. So Arduino gives you a pretty open platform. It's very, it's good for hobbyists. So I just used it in that way. Uh, what, uh, what programming language uh, did you have to learn? Is, what is it written in? It's written in C. Okay, and had you known C before you started this project or did you learn C while you were doing this project? I had done a little bit of coding with um, Robot C when I did um, a VEX competition a year ago or a couple of years ago. And it was similar to that. So I just had to learn a couple of the uh, APIs and the syntax and it was, it was fairly simple. When you got it to work the first time, give us an idea of you know, what the setup was and how did you arrive at, hey, you know, this could actually work? You know, what was that moment like? So I always had a little bit of worries about whether it would work or not. I was mainly confident, but there's always that slight uh, inkling of, um, I was just a little bit worried at all times. So the moment I learned it was I had a small photoresistor and I kept it in our driveway and I had my dad drive up with the car so my setup was just a photoresistor and an LED. That's all it was. And once the photoresistor's light value went up, the LED would start blinking. So as soon as the LED started blinking, I was elated. I was jumping up and down. I was super happy because I knew the solution had potential. But I also knew that there was still a long ways to go. And I, I knew the journey ahead and how I had to continue developing. But that really helped settle my nerves of the project. Okay, so there's a moment where you could actually get the input, which is the light input, and drive something out of it, right? Yeah. Uh, so now the, the second part of it is the actual uh, uh, audio generation, right? Uh, what was the research involved in there? How did it determine what frequencies of audio needed to be generated? Talk, walk us through that part of the research. So rather than determining what frequencies of the audio need to be generated, I decided what type of audios need to be generated. So there's two problems when regarding the types of audio that needs to be emitted. It's one is triggering the survival instinct of the animal. For example, a deer will more likely run away from a road if it hears a wolf howl or a bear growl or like a gunshot, something that it would get scared of in the wild rather than a security beep because that would, it wouldn't know what it is. It wouldn't know how to react. It might even run towards the car and we don't want that. So that was one aspect, figuring out what noises to use. So predatory noises that will scare off the animal. And then I also had to choose, I had to avoid habituation, which is when animals get used to the solution over time. So I kept a bunch of noises like bear growls, wolf howls, coyote howls, dog barks, and gunshots that would scare off the animal. In All of them would scare off the animal. And it the algorithm randomly selects what noise to play at every given time. So the animal can never know what's coming and they'll always get scared. And uh, so to determine what sounds need to be played, that's kind of research that has to be done by the Department of Transportation in every area. But for some areas, local to me, but 
for every animal, it'll vary. And Department of Transportations know what animals are dying in a certain area. So they'll be able to provide the research or at least provide the input for the research to determine what noises need to be emitted in a certain area. So you have this device now, uh, you know, where you're, you're getting input of light and you're emitting sound, um, uh, you know, different types of sound. How did you decide where to test this first? So I decided I need to go to a place where there's a lot of cars because I just want to get as much data as possible, test the uh, efficiency of the solutions, efficacy, everything about it. So I went to a highway at like 6 p.m. in the winter. So it was very dark, even at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept the device on the road. I had a spreadsheet on me and I was just constantly writing in. For every car that drove by, I, I baselined the distance it was away from the device, how much time it took for the detection till the car crossed the device. And so I determined that the average distance was around 270 feet. And this was on a 45 mile per hour road. So that's around like four seconds for the animal to get out of harm's way. And when taking into account its uh, high reflexes and its survival listing, that's plenty of time. What was your first test like, which actually involves potentially a real animal? Uh, it was, so I haven't really had a chance to test with actual deer or any animals like that because it's it's hard to get access to those kinds of animals. And it's it really depends on when they're coming and they come very rarely where where I am, or at least only in the night. And so I n- never know where to keep the device at a certain point. I actually tested it with my dog, Snowflake. I just kept it. I kept her in a dark room. I kept the um, device next to her and I brought a flashlight near it. And as I brought the flashlight closer to it, it emitted a wolf howl and Snowflake immediately got scared. She like her ears perked up and she went, looked near the window to see where the noise was coming from. And that was just her reaction to the solution because she hasn't heard a lot of wolf howls in the past. And if she hears a wolf, she probably wants to face off against it. But for a deer, I'm assuming that action would be different. Like it would try to run away because that's what it would do if there's a wolf nearby. So that's some future testing that I'll need to do. Wow, that is a fascinating, uh, Vedant. And also, you know, I hope you didn't test it too much with Snowflake because, (laughs) you know, dogs get anxious when they hear unusual sounds. So uh, we're talking to Vedant Srinivas. He's uh, uh, entering a high school sophomore and um, he's doing this fascinating project on mitigating or reducing roadkill by emitting sounds based on light input from uh, oncoming cars. And um, when we come back, we will explore a little bit more about what he's doing and where he plans to uh, deploy this and take it into the future. We'll come back after the short break. So we're back and we are talking to Vedan Srinivas. He is entering his high school sophomore year at East Lake High School. Vedant, um, so here we are. Uh, you have a device, you've tested it with your own dog. And now you've also been talking to a few professors who have uh, researched roadkill. Now you really wanted to test this in a real road situation. So what did you do? This is like, you know, you're taking your device and putting it in front of a customer. Um, How did you uh, figure out where this could be potentially deployed and tested and and you could get data out of this? So for the data, I am right now 
trying my best to get in touch with departments of transportation here and also in California and Nevada because they're slightly more active there regarding this problem. So I'm just looking for places to test this. It's hard working um, getting, getting the permission to test it in certain areas. So I'm having some difficulty with that. Uh-huh. Uh, right now, I'm just working on fine-tuning the solution, getting it as ready for deployment as possible until I find a place to deploy it. So right now, it goes on the side of the road. And to make it more customer-friendly and kind of look better from a design perspective, I had to 3D print a box for it. Mm-hmm. A box, it's well-designed. It looks pretty cool, actually. So it just goes on the side of the road. It has the solar panels facing up, and everything is kind of concealed. You can just know that the box is there, and you know what it's going to do, but it's very concealed then. Uh, I'm pretty proud of how it looks. Okay, so you're working with the uh, Department of Transportations in various places uh, to try to uh, deploy this in the real field. Yes, I can understand the challenges of uh, of getting customers. Uh, so have have you have you actually been able to talk to any of them? And what are they saying in terms of um, uh, you know when or what features they want before it could be deployed? So first, I need to get a lot of data. So when I'm testing with them, which I'm hoping to do sometime in um, November with like in Nevada, in Nevada and California, mm-hmm. before I actually do anything regarding the animals, they want to see the data of its detection ability. So before I can actually alert the animals, because they have some belief in whether that will work or not, in how that works. So I just need to be able to detect the car from far distances consistently and be able to upload it to the cloud so I can share it with them. And only then they'll like trust the solution more. Right, because they are probably interested in, uh, you know, uh, multiple cars coming one after the other and how the system performs, right? Yeah. Uh, that, is, that is one thing that they might be interested in and any false positives um, and you know, potential effect of sunlight uh, in, you know, triggering this. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So it's, uh, it's, um, I think this is the classic, uh, where product meets the customer and that's where we find a lot of interesting friction happening and that we need to solve in the real, real world. Right. Yes. Okay. How much time did you spend on this project per week? Um, probably around eight hours a week, at least like in the peak of it, which was around, from December to May, I was probably spent, uh-huh. I was spending a lot of time on it, developing it. But since I had spent the time beforehand developing the skills, it wasn't a lot of tedious work. It was just more, it, it, well, I mean, it yeah. was pretty tedious actually, but it wasn't about learning the skills. It was about putting them into play. And that was much more exciting than just working on learning them. So I enjoyed it very much. So uh, you, you've been able to manage both your academics and uh, uh, doing this project, which is you know, keeping you on your toes, right? Yes. Uh, having the COVID pandemic, it was not easy in a lot of ways, but it kind of helped me with this because I just got more time. I didn't have to spend time in commute from school to home. There's also less homework than uh, I would have gotten if I was going in person. So I got a lot more time to spend on the solution. So I was happy I got it done in freshman year. So some silver lining uh, because of the pandemic, I guess. So yeah. what do you plan to do with this uh, project overall? You know, is, is uh, mitigating uh, roadkill uh, the main focus or do you think this, this could be applied in uh, other areas? Have you thought about that? One other area I've been thinking about and working with is deploying a similar framework with just changes. 
So there are problems in California and Eastern Washington where animals are getting taken from their pens by um, like livestock are getting taken from their livestock pens by mountain lions. So mountain lions are just invading these pens in the nighttime and taking animals like sheep and goat and pigs. And that's bad for farmers because they need these animals for their livelihood. And that means they end up having to shoot the mountain lions. And that's not good for anybody. They don't want to shoot the mountain lions, but they have no other option. So to preserve the lives of the mountain lion and the livestock, you could, I decided to deploy Aura in a way where it's on the side of the livestock pen. And instead of a light sensor detecting the amount of light coming in, it's a motion sensor detecting whether there's a mountain lion moving nearby. It just detects whether there's movement near the area on the other side of the livestock pen. And when it does, it emits noises outwards, deterring the mountain lion from the area. Got it. So because you are, you have a much more control over the area that the, uh, that the pen uh, looks out at, so you can actually detect motion in that, uh, in that, in that area, right? Yes. Okay. Now, um, with, re- with regard to this, uh, this uh, roadkill project itself, Aura, um, do you plan to add, say, a camera that once you actually, to, to determine the success of the sound trigger, and if you're able to take, say, capture uh, the uh, a, a picture of the surrounding view, you would you would actually know whether uh, an animal was in the vicinity or not. Is that is do you have a plan like that? Yep, uh, I'm going, planning to have like a CCTV camera in the area I deploy it when that time comes, uh-huh. and that'll just so every time the device is triggered and it alerts the animals, it'll turn on the camera, look around that area and see whether there's movement and it'll upload those files to the cloud so I can view them and manually see whether it's worked. So now you've got this device and it also has a cloud connectivity. What do you think will be the cost of you know, one of these devices? The cost of the device is around $100 right now. Uh-huh. And that's just because I'm building them one component at a time. Yeah. So obviously with more mass manufacturing of the device, so when it goes into deployment, there'll be multiples of these, like thousands. So the, I believe the cost could be cut down to $35. Because right now I also have it very user-friendly. I can easily plug and play. But once it's completely refined, which it almost is, then I could remove all those plug and play options. So that'll, that'll also reduce the cost drastically. So I believe it could cost around $35. And to put that in perspective, that's... Um, the amount it costs to build this animal bridge in I-90 mm-hmm. was $5 million. And that's enough to fund 30,000 miles of aura with aura placed uh, every thousand feet away. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and the, it's also very flexible. You can put it anywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, both urban and rural areas uh, and semi, semi-urban areas as well. If you were to, in the future or in the near future, if you were to start a company, uh, what what would it do? What would be a company that uh, maybe this itself is a uh, the beginning of a company, maybe, right? Have you thought yeah. about that? Have you thought about you know this being a not only just a hobby project but something that you can actually make a business out of? Yeah, I'm, I kind of want it to be something like a nonprofit in the future uh-huh. where I manufacture these devices for um, like farmers for their livestock and also for departments of transportation to put in their roads. So that's something I've thought about, but that I still have a long ways to go. Long ways to go. 
So uh, talk about, um, you know, through the course of this uh, work or project that you've done, you know, can you t- tell me what you thought you felt the biggest challenge was? The biggest challenge, I believe, was taking it from a pure research project into an actual deployment and uh, developing it into a piece of hardware. So when I, f- I had done a lot of research at the start about what skills I need, how I developed all the skills. And then when the time came, I realized, oh, wow, I actually have to put everything together. Uh-huh. That was a painful but rewarding process. It was exciting at points also. So just taking every component, putting it together, doing a lot of research regarding the power consumption of the device, what components I need. So it was just the difference between having a layout and actually creating it. That creation aspect, that's experience that I've never gained before. And it was very helpful for me. And I think it will help me a lot in the future. What are your other hobbies? Uh, Well, I play cricket. So I play that competitively. I, I like it a lot. And I also just do a lot of stuff with technology, like um, just coding for fun, like making small projects with motors and things like that. So I, I read sometimes, not too much, not as much as I used to. I don't have as much time now, but yeah, those are just some of my hobbies. Looks like you're a busy high schooler. Yeah. And it's only going to get tougher from here, so... <laughs> so are you looking for, forward to this uh, uh, junior year in a, in a, in a few weeks? Uh, yeah, um, I'm kind of looking forward to my sophomore year. Like I'll get to see my friends again since I'm going back to school. But I'm also a little worried about like the workload and just managing school again. Uh, do you discuss this project with other uh, members of your class, you know, uh, getting ideas from other people? Or is this something that uh, you pretty much you know, doing autopilot yourself. Been pretty much doing it on autopilot with help from my parents and like those professors I was talking to. And yeah, uh, I'll ho- I hope to share it with my classmates once I actually have it deployed because the first time I want to share it with them, I want it to be when it's on the roads in our community. Wonderful, wonderful. This is really a fascinating uh, project, uh, Vedant. And uh, thanks for coming on to my podcast and sharing your work. I think it's uh, quite inspiring that uh, you have blended technology and to a, towards a good cause of uh, mitigating roadkill. And I wish you all the best um, in your rest of your high school and uh, hope we get to see this uh, in, uh, in action on the roads that we drive. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks to you for tuning in. We always like to hear feedback from you. You can tweet to us at Carabiner Media One, that is C-A-R-A-B-I-N-E-R-M-E-D-I-A and the number one. You can also send us email at startupfeedback at carabinermedia.com. We hope you share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and also rate us in your favorite podcast platform. See you next time.